Well, this morning we're going to look at uh, the second uh, of what will be a several week series of the topic of heaven. Since heaven is real, dot, dot, dot. And this week it's, since heaven is real, life is not too short. And I'm reminded uh, just how short uh, sometimes from an earthly perspective life can be. Uh, tomorrow we'll celebrate uh, the 10th birthday of our son Tate. And it's hard to believe that he's 10 years old. But this, this coming year, 2022, will mark, uh, Lord willing, will mark my 38th birthday and my 13th year of ministry here at First Baptist Conroe. Uh, so I'm no math major, but that's a little bit over one third of my life uh, in one place. I've done three different, essentially three different titles or three different roles here, but ministering with you guys. Uh, some of you have been here long before that time. Some of you are new within the last 13 days or 13 weeks. And so you maybe don't remember when I didn't have any gray hair. Like when I moved here, I didn't have gray hair. So only two things in my life have changed in those 13 years. You guys have been here, been with you guys, and I've had kids. So one of the two are responsible for me having to go uh, to the barbershop about every three to four weeks to get my hair cut as short as I possibly can, still have hair so that Candace is, is fine with what my hair looks like, but also so you guys can't see as much of that gray hair. Uh, just yesterday, I got together with a group of guys that I went to high school with, and I noticed that one of them who's lived out of state for the last several years, he had some gray hair coming. I said, hey, what's, what's this on, your, on the side of your hair there? And then we, we quickly divulged to the, the, the one guy in our group that, that is already balding, and we went, went to straight there. So it's like better to have a little bit of gray hair than not have any hair at all. But that is just one reminder that life is short. That, that, that what we look like, how we look, what our, our physical makeup changes for better or worse over the course of our lifetimes. And there are so many other reminders around us about how short life can be in, in the eyes of just the world, in the eyes of culture. People will use anti-aging creams and medications and procedures to, to look or feel younger, or they'll do things to, to, to feel younger. Uh, just the other day, I was, when I was driving to visit those friends in, in the Dallas area, I came by this airport. It's just, just north of 287 when it splits off of Interstate 45 at Ennis. And somebody was um, parachuting down out of the sky, a tandem jump. So somebody had gone skydiving out of this airport and was making their way back down, kind of circling way down. And that's something that I know sometimes people will do that as a way to to feel younger, have that rush of adrenaline and that, that ex exhilaration from going out of the plane and, and down to the ground and, and hopefully being with somebody who knows what they're doing and knows exactly when to pull the parachute cord. Uh, I would not want to do that without a trusted professional doing that. But we have these constant reminders around us that, that, that life is short and that, that each day that we live is one day closer to our physical death. And many in our lives, in our world, may try to do things to prevent that. You know, Jeff shared a story about the group, the, the, the preserving their bodies on the liquid nitrogen. And so there are so many different things that people do to try to, to, try to beat death. C.S. Lewis put it this way, 100% of us die and the percentage cannot be increased. And, and I would add, short of Christ returning before the end of our physical lives, it can't be decreased either. 100% of us die, and there's nothing we can do to change that one way or the other. So if this morning, if you're going to agree with me, and we're going to agree on the premise this morning, because that's the title of the series, that heaven is real. So if you're going to agree with me in that, that heaven is real, then how are we to live 
our lives today in the here and now in light of the certainty of death. And thankfully, God's word this morning, we'll see some things from, from Paul's letter, second letter to the Corinthians. We'll see, we'll see that God has shown us and is showing us now that since heaven is real, life is not too short. And hopefully by the end of our time together this morning, over the next 20 minutes or so, you'll see exactly what it means to, to live a life that's not too short. No matter in earthly terms how short or long that physical life is, you will have lived a life of value, a life of significance. Let's open God's word together this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter four, uh, verse 16. We'll start there. We'll go through verse 18. If you don't have a Bible with you, there's one in the pew rack in front of you. If you don't want to pull that Bible out, you can read and follow along on the screen. Uh, But I'm going to read uh, here from 2 Corinthians chapter four, verses 16 through 18. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer nature is wasting away, our inner nature is being renewed day by day. For this slight momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Now, Paul's writing, he's had had some visits with the church in Corinth. He's writing to them at a time when he's gotten word that they're struggling. They're, They're going through some difficulty. You know, Jeff message just to let us know they were worshiping in Corinth today and, and James responded because he was definitely paying attention during one of the earlier services that they he said I understand that church has some problems and, and so Paul is is responding to these problems and and kind of addressing him from his own personal perspective he had had a set of problems of his own the spiritual persecution and arrest that he had experienced in his lifetime but also all throughout Paul's different writings every once in a while he will refer to this thorn in his flesh this this physical ailment, something that that was a part of his life that just he felt like held him back from doing all that he was created and designed to do. And and so Paul is is coming from a place of affliction, uh, addressing a group of people, a church that had some affliction of their own. And he's trying to help them reframe or refocus their perspective on, on how they're supposed to live their lives. And I think that some of the things that he, he has said are true for his life are also true for us today. And I want us to see these four things that he sees in his life and kind of look at where throughout other parts of the, of the New Testament, even one story from the Old Testament where we see these things to be true. And the first thing is this, that, that, that Paul was able to, to live in light of the certainty of death. Paul was able to to understand this to be important because he, he had the certain hope of resurrection. Paul had the certain hope of resurrection. When, when Paul's life was changed, when he, was, when he encountered God on the road to Damascus and converted to Christianity, his name was changed from Saul to Paul. When his life was radically changed by the person of Jesus Christ, he put his hope that day in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Listen to what Jesus had to say about being the resurrection. This is to one of the family members of Lazarus at the event of his death. Jesus says to her in John chapter 11, verses 25 and 26, I am the resurrection, the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who believes in me shall never die. And then he asked her, do you believe this? I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, 
yet shall he, he live. And so we get one of these interesting scriptural paradoxes that you see that how can, you know, they're probably sitting there in the room with Jesus thinking, how can someone live if they've died? Well, they would see uh, just a short time later that Jesus would die on the cross. And on the third day, he, he, he would rise. He would be resurrected from the dead. He would live again. And he declares himself to be in this passage in John chapter 11, I am the resurrection and the life. And Paul had found that to be true for his life. He had placed his hope for a future. He had placed his hope for eternity in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we as believers, we can be fully confident that we also have that power of, of, of the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, that our physical death because of that resurrection is not the end of our lives. In fact, our physical death is not the end of our lives, it's the beginning of our life. We begin, the moment we physically die, we begin to live exactly as God created us to be, doing exactly what God created us to do with who God created us to do it with in his presence and in the presence of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so it's the beginning of our lives and all the glory that God has in store for us. Uh, Randy Alcorn in his book, Heaven, he writes it this way. We see life, we talking about believers, we see life differently when we realize that death isn't a wall, but a turnstile, a small obstacle that marks a great beginning. Now, obviously, this is only true for someone who knows Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, someone who is, has trusted Jesus to save them from their sin and is walking in a relationship with him. But we, when I say we as believers, we see life differently because we realize death is not a wall. It's not the end, but it's a turnstile. It's a way into something bigger. You may go into a, a turn, go through a turnstile at a, at a theme park or at a stadium. They're counting how many people come in, but you, you're out in the parking lot and that's not where the event is. The event is inside the walls of the venue, inside the walls of the stadium, of the theme park, wherever it is that you're going through that turnstile and, and you begin whatever it is, that excitement that's in store for you, whether it's a game, a concert, or going to, to Six Flags or Disney or whatever place you might walk to a turnstile. And, and for us as believers, our physical death marks a walk through a turnstile into eternity, into a place called heaven that's real and a place that shows us that, that because heaven is real, our, our lives are not too short. The second thing we see, not only did Paul have the certain hope of resurrection, but Paul, Paul's life and Paul's writing here in 2 Corinthians shows, it that, shows us that spiritual renewal is a daily promise. He says in verse 16, our outer nature is wasting away. Our inner nature is being renewed day by day. Though we're physically wasting away, we're physically, our lives are getting harder and harder to live. Sickness takes hold of us more easily. The older we get, things break down. Things don't work the way they're supposed to. Our our backs hurt, our, our, we, our minds start to slip. All those things happen as we inch one day closer to our physical death. But the exact opposite is happening internally. The exact opposite ought to be happening spiritually. That as you, as you spend time in God's word, as you make it a part of your daily lives to open God's word each day, spend time with him as you communicate with God, as you pray and cry out to him and ask him to, to speak into your life, as you sit in silence and listen to his responses and listen to him shape and, and change you and mold you into who he's desired you to be as you spend that time with him. That's a daily promise for us. And we see that in two places. Once in the Old Testament, we see that with the Israelites when they're wandering in the wilderness during the Exodus story. 
They went out each day. God promised them he'd provide for them the food that they needed to survive each day. They went out and gathered the manna each morning. They'd collect it in jars. They'd eat it throughout the day. If they gathered more than they needed for their family or for their day, the extra that they gathered would spoil at the end of the day and it wouldn't be good the next day. They, could only, they were only supposed to gather what they needed for that day. And each day they went out and did that. One day they didn't though. One day they gathered a little bit more because they weren't gonna go out and gather it on the Sabbath. He told them to worship me and rest on that day. And so he provided enough on that, that day before the Sabbath that they could gather enough for that day and not have to go out and work. And God provided for them over the course of 40 years on a daily basis and gives us a picture of what that spiritual renewal is like in our lives. Each time we go to God's word, we're getting a little more spiritual manna that we need to live throughout that day, that week, that month, that time in our life that's more difficult than it's ever been. We get that, that nourishment, that, that manna each time we go to God's word, even in the good times in our lives. We don't wait for something to break down or something to go wrong. We continually and daily take steps to be, more, be made more and more like Christ. Jesus prayed it this way, when he showed his disciples and his followers in Matthew chapter six, how to pray in verse 11, he says, part of that prayer, the Lord's prayer, give us this day our daily bread that we would ask God for that. Give us what we need each day. Give me what I need to get through this circumstance, this trial, this tribulation, this thing that's going on in our world. Give us what we need as a church family. You know, we, we come here on Sunday mornings some are able to make it back on Wednesday nights for Bible study and time with our student and children and preschool ministries. And those are great times that we spend together as a church family. But, but the most you're getting out of that is three hours a week. An hour in this room, an hour in your life group, and an hour somewhere on Wednesday night. There's so many other hours in the week when you are feeding yourself and, and, and receiving that renewal and that enriching that God desires for you. And Jesus showed his followers that. He said, pray this way. Ask God to supply, to supply the daily bread, the nourishment that's needed to be spiritually renewed each day. And Paul found that to be true. He says, our inner nature is wasting away, but, but our, sorry, our outer nature is, being, is wasting away, but our inner nature is being renewed day by day. And then the third thing that we see from Paul's life is how he viewed his afflictions. Paul viewed his afflictions of the present day of today in light of the glory of tomorrow. He didn't focus on the circumstances. He didn't dwell on the difficulties. He didn't dwell on the physical challenges, the spiritual challenges, the persecution he was facing, the difficulty of networking with all these churches in different places and the risk that was there for his physical life each time that he interacted with a different church in a different place. He didn't focus on that. He focused on the eternal. He focused on, on the things of value that came next, the glory that came next, the glory and the promise of eternity. See, he viewed his afflictions of today in light of the glory of tomorrow. In Romans chapter 8, verse 18, he writes, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. They're basically, he's saying there's nothing that I can experience that would be so bad in this earth that it's not worth it to experience now because of the glory that's coming. The glory far outweighs it. There's nothing I can even compare that glory to. We can try to describe heaven. We can try to pour through scripture and see, you know, what glimpses we can get about what heaven is like, but there's nothing that we can compare to what heaven is going to be like. But the last thing that Paul saw to be true, I think is the thing that we need to focus on 
most importantly this morning, and that's this. Paul kept an eternal perspective. The way Paul looked at the world around him, the way Paul looked at his life, the way Paul looked at everything that was happening, he looked at it differently than the world did. Warren Wiersbe puts it this way, Christians are content to govern their lives by eternal values, not temporal prices. Paul writes it this way in verse 18 of of 2 Corinthians chapter four, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen, those are eternal. See, I think the world looks at, at price not value. You say, well, what's the difference? I, I can only really think of this as a, as a good modern example of, of, of how to explain this. You can go to Target, you can go to Walmart, you can go to Amazon and you can order a pack of baseball cards. You can try to find out if your favorite player is in that card or not, or in that pack of cards or not. But that, that, that individual card is going to cost you about 42 cents per card. Just a few weeks ago at a card show in, in, in the upper Midwest, there were over 100,000 people uh, that came in and out of this card show. And there was one card there uh, that was different than any other card there. And a man bought that card for $6,606,000. It was a Honus Wagner card. Honus Wagner is a Hall of Fame baseball player who started his career in 1897. Uh, in the 19, early 1900s, uh, a card maker made about 60 cards and there's only a few of those left in existence that you can tell what it is. And this one's in good to excellent condition. Uh, and it broke its own record. For, so it's been bought now twice uh, for millions of dollars. It broke its own record as the highest selling trading card ever. So someone somewhere has said this card that is the same type of material that you can go to the store and buy for 42 cents because whose it is, Honus Wagner, and how few of them there are, and what good of a condition it is, and somebody that has enough money to want that says that card is worth $6,606,000. And front page of ESPN.com two weeks ago had an article about this card selling for this guy that played baseball starting back in 1897. Some of you have probably heard the name for the first time today. In 1933, that card was in existence, and it was worth $50. That's equivalent to $1,000 last year, 2020's value. And just over a year later, it sells for $6,606,000. See, price is an arbitrary value that we place on goods and services based on what they're worth to us. We don't have a price on us. There's not a dollar amount that God looks at us and says, this is the price. We, we have a value, an eternal value. We have a worth that, that was worth so much to God that he would send his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to die for you. That, that man paid six million plus dollars for a card. He didn't give up a relative for that card. He didn't sacrifice somebody's life for that card. But God sacrificed his son's life for you and I to show us that we have true worth, that we have true value. And Paul realized that sacrifice was made for him when he encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus and the Holy Spirit took over his life. And he went from being someone who persecuted Christians to someone who was being persecuted for being a Christian. The the biggest 180 degree turn you'll ever see in someone's life, in the life of Paul. And Paul shows us that if we have an eternal perspective, we can use the material, the things that have a price, to grow the kingdom of God, the things that that have a value, the things that last forever. 
Uh, the greatest example of that is, is there's a dollar amount on that budget out there, $2,860,000. That's what it's estimated that our finance and, and budget committees have estimated it's going to cost to run this church over the course of the next year. Some of those dollars will go right out our door to the cooperative program, to the Southern Baptist Convention, to missions organizations locally and beyond. Some of it will pay to keep the lights on, to fix a piano when it's down. Some of it goes to salaries for staff, for the childcare workers in Building 8, for our, our janitorial, all of that. But everything we do here is to grow God's kingdom. So God is using the faithfulness and the obedience of his people here and the stewardship of, of staff and committees to oversee those, those material resources to grow something that will last forever, his kingdom. And so if in 2030, if Lord willing, I'm still here and all my hair is gray and we're celebrating the 10,000 transforming relationships goal being met, maybe we've exceeded it. Maybe five years from now we hit 10,000 and we're at 20,000 in year 2030. And we sit back and look, there may be the exact same number of people sitting in this room that day than there are right now. And that would be okay because God's kingdom would be larger. God's kingdom will have grown whether or not First Baptist Conroe grows or not. Because a group of people would, would see that it's important to live our lives with an eternal perspective like Paul did. To look at the things that are unseen, the things that are eternal. Don't just look at the circumstances that are happening right then, but what, what's God doing in this situation in our world? What's God doing in this situation in my life? And how can he use it to grow me to be more like Christ and to bring others to Christ? And so then what does this mean for you? I, I think, uh, you know, you say, all right, Alan, you've already done four points and now you're about to ask me three questions. But I think these are three really important questions that you have to ask yourself in light of this truth. The first one is this, where is my hope? This morning, just where you're at, teenager, mom, dad, grandparent, retiree, working full-time, 60, 70 hours a week. Where is my hope? I can't answer that question for you, but I can tell you this. If it's, in any, if it's in anything other than the saving power of Jesus Christ and the resurrection, it's a misplaced hope. Uh, because whatever else it's in other than that, other than the, the hope that we have through the resurrection and the power of Jesus Christ to save us from our sin, if your hope is placed in anything else, it's gonna be unfulfilled. It may fulfill you for a day, for a week, for a year, but, but over the course of your lifetime on this earth, however long or short it might be, it's going to not fulfill you. And so what do you need to do to place your hope and trust in Jesus Christ? It's very simple. Just admit that you're a sinner. Declare to God that you need Jesus to save you and declare today that you want to walk and follow after his son Jesus as your savior. If you're like, I don't, I don't even know really how to process that after the service is over in the next steps area across the atrium, I'll be hanging out there and would love to visit with you more about what it means to place your hope and trust in Jesus Christ. For many of you, you've done that. Your hope is in Jesus Christ. Your hope is in the resurrection. So then the second question may be more important for you. Am I being renewed daily? Not am I depending on Sunday morning and Wednesday night and maybe a, a podcast or a, a Bible study or something here and there, but am I daily getting in God's word and allowing God to renew me spiritually on a daily basis? Am I spending time in prayer and communication with God? And I say that, I use that word strategically because I want you to know that it's just as important, if not more, to listen to what God has to say to you than it is just to declare what it is that you want to say to him. Yes, declare his glory. Give him praise and adoration. Confess your sin to him. 
Give thanks for the things that he's doing in your life and the lives of those around you and, and ask for things that you need. Things that you need God to reshape your heart and, and healing for people, broken relationships, all those things that we come to him, ask him for those things, but then listen. Give, give, give time in your, your, your daily walk with Christ to hear from God. Ask God to, when you've read a scripture, a passage of scripture, ask God to, to speak to you from that and show you in your life where you're falling short and where, where, you near, where you're missing the mark in relation to that passage. And, and let God speak to you so that you can be renewed on a daily basis. And then probably all of us need this constant reminder, need to ask ourselves this question each day. Where's my focus? What am I looking at? Am I looking at what's actually happened right in front of me? Whether I have control over that situation or not, am I just focusing on, on the symptoms, the circumstances, what's happening in the world around us? Or, or is my focus on the kingdom of God? Is our focus on the kingdom of God and, and, and doing what he's called us to do to grow the kingdom of God in Conroe, Texas and beyond? See, I think that if we, if we will place our hope in the resurrection, I think that if we will commit our lives to daily renewal, I think that if we will have an eternal perspective, then our lives will seem short. I think that will happen because so many good God things will be happening in your life. So many big God things will be happening in your life and the lives of those around you that your life will seem short, but the impact we'll have for the kingdom will be massive. People will look and say, God, God is really doing something in those people at First Baptist Conroe. God is really doing something through that church. God is really doing something in our community because a group of people have their hope in the right place. They're committed to daily renewal. They've got an eternal perspective. So see, life will not be too short, I would argue, because our lives will have been spent growing God's kingdom, not ours. Since heaven is real, life is not too short. And I hope that you leave this place today knowing that life will not be too short because your life can be lived growing God's kingdom not yours.